Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of Man, Shira, Attorney, Etheria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK Annuals, Mini Comic Comics, anything and everything you can think of with a He Man, Shira, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Netflix logo. Sean, where are we headed tonight? We're headed to somewhere spooky, Matt. We're headed to the land of the dead. The land of the dead. That's right, guys. It is our revelation breakdown. We are headed straight to the land of the dead, courtesy of Scareglow himself. But before we get there, we got to do some catch-up here, because I thought about something on our previous episodes. So, uh, as most of you know, we have already listened to our first three uh, Revelation Breakdown episodes. And I'm not recapping, so if you haven't seen them, pause this, go watch it. If you haven't seen the Netflix show, I really don't know what you're doing here. Pause this, go watch the Netflix show, then watch our first three episodes, then watch this. We'll wait. We'll be right here. Excuse me. But we have been keeping a body count. So, so far on our body count, we have Mossman, He-Man, and Skeletor. So, we're up to three right now. Three. But, rewatching it for, I don't even know now, ninth, tenth time, <laughs> Faker gets cut in half by Man-at-Arm's laser. Is that a body count? Hmm. Right? And on that same note, Blast Attack hmm. ends up blowing up. Mm-hmm. And we that's haven't right. seen him again. Yeah, that's true. Do the robots I, count as body counts, or are they too easily brought back? And specifically, the, specifically those two, because that's where we're at in the journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't let anything else cloud your judgment. Here's here's my thought on it, and okay. I could be wrong. I look at the robots as characters, whether they're robotic or they're human, because okay. if they have a figure dedicated to them, that implies they are a a force in the line somewhere. You know, they are, this is a character, whether it's robotic or whether it's human. So I would say it probably isn't a bad idea to count them in there because Blast Attack was a figure yeah. and so was Faker. And they're even putting the Faker figure into the Masterverse line. So... See, I, I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, life is one thing, AI is a different thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. To me, yeah, uh, it's, how, it, you how know. much is Faker and Blast Attack, 
How sentient Ooh. are they? That's my well, question. Blast, blast attack was scared to death of of blowing up. He, he Every wasn't. time he got close, he'd have to hit the buttons to deactivate, and he even went because he knew right. what was going to happen. So I count that yes. I would say yes because he did not okay. want to blow up. Blast Therefore, attack. him blowing up actually was against what he wanted to have happen to himself. So blast attack is going on the list. Okay, what about Faker? And then Faker. I mean, he didn't even talk. He did not talk. He was very. But... He was very obviously. I mean, T one thousand. I mean, he was very yes, much a T one thousand with the you know reattaching and everything. So sure. I mean. Well, the same thing at the end of T- Terminator Two. Do you think of the T one thousand as having died? Mm, I, I think of him as having been destroyed, not dying necessarily. And in the case of Faker, the only thing here's kind of the way I judge that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Faker, when he's about to grab the sorceress, smiles. So there is an implication he's enjoying the fact that he gets to do what he's about to do. Okay. And I almost feel like that puts him in a different level than like if you think of like like you said T one thousand or even T eight hundred. Yeah. You don't see Schwarzenegger or Robert Patrick really having smiles. They're very stone faced. They're very much they're following their programming. Him having that smile was an emotional response to this is a moment i can take advantage of so that's kind of how i judge it at least all right you have convinced me we are adding them posthumously to the <laughs> list so our actual so, body count right now is at five we have five. five characters that have bit the dust two of those in my opinion are very easily repaired so yes. such uh, a bloodthirsty show such my a blood the five deaths in three episodes. I hate yeah. to see what's coming up here. So, <laughs> as we said, we are jumping in today uh, into episode four, Land of the Dead. This was written by Tim Sheridan and once again directed by Adam Canero and Patrick Stannard. Adam, I apologize if I probably said your last name five different ways in four episodes. Um... And this is now available to stream exclusively on Netflix. So, this opens up right where we left off. So, last episode we did leave off with the uh, black pillar rising up and then descending a staircase into darkness. That's uh, our heroes, Tila, Andra, Orko, Beastman, and Evil Lit. And Roboto. And Roboto, yeah. Me and my robots, I just... Whatever, they're just they're just music. <laughs> they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> um and and it opens right up. I mean, they descended into darkness. This one opens up with Tila lighting a flare so that they can see where they are. Um and as they're exploring this cavern they find themselves in, uh Orko pulls out an old Trollin nursery rhyme. Mm-hmm. Thank God I didn't get raised by Trollins. Here we go. I actually got this. I use closed captioning. I've got it all. Okay. You cannot make your living in the land of the dead, my dear. The only wealth you'll need to bring is the currency of fear. Flee before your mind goes mad. Trust not what Subternia shows. 
Terror fuels the fires of hell, whose lord is called Scareglow. That's badass. It, it would have given me nightmares, but it's badass. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and it's it's. I mean, really, it's it's in tradition with nursery rhymes. Most of our you go to those old nursery stories; they actually have a pretty dark twist originally. Yeah, uh, Hansel and Gretel and and all Brothers Grimm. Um, yeah. My big thing though is that it's a trolling nursery rhyme about Subternia. So that means Subternia is. A separate plane of existence, basically, that runs throughout all the planets. I that's a good question. I haven't even thought of that because like that didn't even register when I've watched it, and I haven't watched it nine times yet, unfortunately. I've watched it probably three or four by now. Yeah. Um but yeah, that is ooh. Okay, yeah. I, I mean. the only thing I could think of, and this is a really quick thing, yeah. uh, was in the first prequel comic book, we have that shot of, of Grayskull with the ore, and the, the Trollins are with him as he's about to fashion it into the power sword, okay. yeah. the ore he got from Subternia, which, that being the case, did they go with him, and, and did they start that? Or just Nursery heard it from mind. the stories. I mean, they didn't or heard it from. He yeah, got, they heard it from right. him. He got, he got the ore from Scareglow. Yeah. So okay, no, I'm good. That so then they end up going back to Trolla and talking about mm-hmm. this crazy place they found on Eternia. Like, dude, mm-hmm. you do not want to go. If you ever yeah. wind up getting sucked through a dimensional port to Eternia, do not go there. <laughs> exactly. I like it. That makes perfect sense. Thank you, because that was. I mean, I, I was going off the idea, like, because they do say later that Subternia has, like, you know, think of it like a wall and this and that. I'm like, okay, maybe it is kind of all these planes of existence, but I like that better. Um, mm-hmm. And even coming up in an episode, even Grayskull talks in the series about Troll and Mages. So, okay, mm-hmm. yep, that works for me. All right. Um, so, we, I mean, and this, this, thing, this episode just hits the ground running. I mean, there's no exposition. This is all we get. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, Tila's all by herself. Everybody's gone. Yep. Um, you find uh, Orko and Evelyn get sent to Trolla, they discover. All of a sudden, we're with them. It's bright. It's sunny. Birds are flying. Orko pulls a classic Orko moment where he tries to create a, a giant magnifying glass and, like, a a seeking spell to find his comrades. <laughs> I know it's great. And it just it does like the, the ant effect and just torches yeah. these birds in their nest. Tor- <laughs> I know, so I, more death, t- more death count I, right I, there. The birds. I'm not putting the birds on the death toll. <laughs> they weren't even real. <laughs> That's true. But it was awesome. It's just one more. It, it's like, you know, Orko didn't get the three. He didn't levitate eggs and drop them on Duncan. Instead, he just kills a bunch of birds, yeah. even though they're, they are a, a hallucination, basically. Yep. And then, so uh, <laughs> then you've got. So Tila's alone. Orko and Evelyn wind up on Trolla. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Andra, Beastman, and Roboto are on this creepy, deserted battlefield with all these skeletons and weapons. Like, they're 
you know, just looking post-apocalyptic after a great war. It's, it's awesome. And mm-hmm. I love the, I love just the atmosphere in this episode, especially bouncing back and forth between, you know, Tila and pretty much catacombs, them on this creepy battlefield, and then Orko and Evelyn are in the bright and and sunny trolley. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. oh, it's 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 great. Um, so a beast man, beast man is going ape shit over mm-hmm. losing track of Evelyn. I mean, he's freaking yeah. out, and he, he, I've lost my mistress, where is she, she was right in front of me, I mean, he is really losing his mind, like, this is, this is all I've got left, I've already lost Skeletor, he was my master, now I've got Evil, and I'm losing, I lost her too, like, this isn't happening to me, I mean, he is, I'm telling you, they, we talked about earlier, they have definitely played up his savage henchmen, like, he mm-hmm. needs some, he's, he, he needs somebody to lead him. Yeah. Yeah, and in the case of this scene in particular, um, there have been I, I have heard people going, "Well, you know, the fire bats and all this stuff that they, you know, it's like it played on maybe something he's a little scared of." But I think the real fear in this moment is actually it's not what he faces here; it's the fact she's gone, right? I lost and and that's it, it elevates what he's going through even harder than everybody else in that group in right. particular. And uh, and so they're surveying, you know, and, and uh, it's pretty cool because right off the bat, like, Evelyn says it's an illusion. Uh, Andra says, hey, this is just an illusion. They're still here. Like, I like that we're not playing. Uh, I mean, Orko did his rhyme. It tells you right in the rhyme, you know, trust not what Subternia shows. And mm-hmm. I like that they made all of our group smart enough that you don't have the guy going oh my god this is real like they all realize this is an illusion i thought that was really nice because most of the time in this situation a show is going to play it up like oh no this oh it might be real and everyone's just like no this is an illusion you Mm -hmm. know agreed yeah they're still afraid but at least they're not acting dumb i guess is what i'm appreciating Mm -hmm. yeah they have their wits about them uh and what what I like about this, actually, it, because, yeah, that is a huge trope and it's very cliche yeah. with, with what you were talking about. In this case, it's not so much them guessing where they are isn't real. It's more them coming to terms with right. what they're going through and facing that fear in exactly. this and, and coming up with solutions to fight that fear rather than worrying about part. Like you said, part A would be. Is right. this real? We right. already got rid of that. So now no, we're on B, C, and D throughout the rest of the episode, right. which I actually enjoyed because I'm I'm really not a fan of those episodes where it's it's almost the equivalent of when there's two people and yeah. one of them is is you know like oh well this person's actually like a shapeshifter and they're like which one's the real one and I right. hate those and it's the same thing like you were talking about it's like yeah it would take half the episode for them to realize oh it's not real thank oh, god we're over that illusion it's like exactly no, we, we know it we're is. good <laughs> however it seems that these illusions can still hurt us so we need yeah. to do something i mean the 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 there is a real chance that they're gonna get hurt they're gonna get killed you know so mm-hmm. the stakes are real but what they're seeing isn't and you know, where you've got uh, Shadow Beasts appearing 
on the ridge above above Andrea Beastman and Roboto. And I, I like that they it, they're shadow beasts. They look a little skinnier. They're 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 a little different. And they make the comment. They go, "Hey, these are unlike any shadow beasts that we've ever seen." You know, I yeah. like that because they are very different. Um, these shadow beasts from our traditional, you know, above ground shadow beasts. These are very much creations of Scareglow to serve him, and they've got some extra powers. But I like that they took a second to go, "Hey, look, we know these aren't." Your typical shadow beast, and and we're recognizing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, so then we cut back uh, as those three are preparing for a fight. We cut back to Tila, and she comes face to face for the first time in animated form to the master of fear, the evil ghost of Skeletor, Scareglow, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the most interesting things about this is his dialogue when he meets Tila. It kind of strokes up that old debate of is he the ghost? Is he the ghost of a deceased Skeletor, or is he a ghost who works for Skeletor? Yeah, I mean. Because he's coming out and Tila sees the skull face, she's like, Skeletor? And he's like, and he said, he says, not quite, but I remember that name. (laughs) It's like, all right, there's a lot of stuff he says, you know, that he's, it's, it's kind of ambiguous. Again, it's, it's, is he saying he knows of Skeletor? Or he's saying, he once was Skeletor. Yeah. And I actually, when he did that, I liked that they left it open-ended because yeah. that, since that's been a debate for, you know, 30 some years at this point, it is kind of nice that they don't just go, this is what it is. Like classics just went, this is right. who he is. That's who he is. Versus this, I kind of dig the idea that, you know, you let your mind paint that picture. You paint that story of, Maybe it is Skeletor, and after he dies, he's relegated there because yeah. of what he's done. And then he has to feed off of the fear, which is what he, you know, he, he's so used to causing havoc, destruction, fear. Yeah. But, it, you know, the other part of me is like, I still like the idea that he's his own person because that makes it a little more interesting to me in the mythology. Like, I, it is kind of like a, ooh, Skeletor's dead. But then yeah. the element of, you know, knowing he, moves to a different plane of existence there's an element of like oh so it's like you're giving me a second skeletor character versus it being his own person that's how i how i've been with it for a while no but i agree i I Mm. like the own character better but it was a nice nod here where they're like hey look we're Mm -hmm. not gonna settle the debate in this camp no we're just gonna no we're gonna kind of play into it ambiguously word it just like that card back back in Mm -hmm. 1987 that Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, but he looks awesome. He's voiced impeccably, and uh, well, one of the interesting thing is adding to that. So I had the closed captioning on this last time through, and in the beginning nursery rhyme that Orko says, you know, at the end of there, Orko. I mean, there's a trail off when Orko says it. When he says the whose lord is called Scareglow, 
and he kind of trails mm-hmm. off. In the closed captioning, it it's, reads as whose lord is S K E L dash 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 as a trail off. Oh. So I don't know. And I don't know how Netflix does their subtitles. And that was just this afternoon, so I did not have time to research into it. I, if they go, honestly, I don't know how normally subtitles. I know subtitles are known for their mistakes, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just someone heard it wrong or someone saw Scareglow later on. They're like, oh, that's Skeletor. I don't know. But the closed caption clearly goes S-K-E-L and then the trail off. And not, but Orko <laughs> clearly says scare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He may not finish it perfectly, but he definitely says it. So, again, well, that's a little point that doesn't help the debate. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the thing for me is the rhyme doesn't work with Skeletor. It works with Scareglow right. because of how the, however, the, the previous stanza or whatever you want to call it or the, yeah. well, the line reads or whatever. But, but that's interesting just from a maybe they're they're trying to do that where the ambiguity even through that to right. make make the debate become alive again amongst you know the, the the fans who weren't there at the party originally and the old school people who we kind of figured <laughs> we know what, what's what about but it. let's yeah let's it, it's like we don't have enough to fight about let's throw one more thing in there <laughs> but, so yeah on to the story. Yes, that debate's not settled here. It won't be probably. Well, I mean, I guess it... There is a chance it comes back around again, but we'll get to that. Um, so, basically, Scareglow tells Tila he's got the dark half of the power sword. It was made from the ore of Subternia. When it split, it came back here. He's got it. She wants it. He he calls her out. He's like, I can tell you're angry. That anger is only masking your fear. It's the old dark side. The anger leads to fear, leads to dark side. Like he's like, he's like, you're not angry. You're afraid. I can, you know, Cringer called her out earlier. You know, he's Scareglow's calling her out. Like, um, he says, and he tells her. He says, I need that fear. He needs. Mm-hmm. He lives off of these people coming down, and he just drains their fear, or he feeds off of it. You know. Yeah. And so he makes. They make a bargain. He says she has to face her greatest fears. If she survives, she can take the half of the sword and go. But the only other option is she succumbs to her fear, and she is consumed and lives in Subternia forever. Pretty mm-hmm. standard crossroad demons bargain. I mean, that's yep. I would expect no less. Um, no, no. So uh, she agrees, uh, and so she ends up being uh, dropped into the well of darkness to, to start her trial. And uh, that whole this whole scene with with Scareblow and Tila going back and forth with the bargain and everything, her him calling her out. I loved it. Like it's everything. That we've been speculating up to this point, and Scareglow just lays it all out. He's like, mm-hmm. you were just a scared little girl on the inside. You don't know how to handle what you've been through, and that's just leading to fear. Um, and that whole animation with her, 
with him holding her, you know, telepathically above the, the well before dropping her in and the cut to black. I mean, it just wonderfully animated episode, this one, through and throughout. Definitely. Yeah. Honestly, uh, the, the thing that I loved a lot about this one in particular from an animation standpoint was you could tell there was a lot of care given to the fact that powerhouse was the first animation company to do scare glow. Yeah. When you look at him in this episode, he has this creepy regalness that I was hoping they could capture and they did it even better than I would have imagined. So the right. minute he shows up, he's he pretty much for me, at least watching this episode, anytime he's on the screen, he commands the attention on the screen because Absolutely. they did such an amazing job with that character. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he is the ruler of his world. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut back to Orko and Evelyn. Uh, they're at the the Academy of Magic. They, they headed inside to try and find some answers. Um, the spell spring is there. It, he says it's a source of all the magic on Trala, and it is dry. Uh, Orko fears that there is no magic left on Trala. They don't see anybody. And, and while he knows it's an illusion, he worries that it's showing him that this is actually happening. Like it's an illusion, but it could actually be showing. And what if he's the last trawling? Um, yeah. And it's going along with what the sorcerer said. Even if this hasn't happened yet, it's going to. Because the sorcerer said, you know, if Eternia Eternia is dying with no magic, if Eternia dies, the rest of the universe dies. Like, this is going to spread. So Mm -hmm. it's very very possible that this has happened and that Orko is, in fact, the last trolling. And that leads him into a bit of a retrospective that takes a complete departure from everything we know about Orko. Which, it's very interesting, because everybody else up until this point, there's at least been some basis in one of the canons. You know, they pulled for, or or many, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This one, as far as I know, is completely out of the blue. They retconned Orko's whole backstory. So... Usually he is from Trala. He's a great sorcerer on Trala, usually known as Orko the Great. And, you know, he was accidentally sent to Eternia. He got trapped in whatever dimensional portal and spit out on Eternia. Usually ends up saving Prince Adam, uh, but finds out that his magic does not work as well on Eternia as it does on his homeworld. And that's what Mm -hmm. leads us to the, the comical effects, because it just Eternia is a different kind of magic. That's all gone. You know, and that and yep. that was that's basically the basis of Orko, whether you're talking filmation, the mini comics, you know, two thousand X leaned on it. Um but Orko throws us a new backstory where he was born and his parents expected great things of him because they were great sorcerers. Um and Orko says you know, that magic never came easy to him. Even on Trala, he was a mess up. He was a screw up. He, he just, he's never been very good at anything he does. Um, and so much so that his name isn't even really Orko. That his parents named him Oracle 
but he couldn't say it. It came out Orko, and so that nickname just stuck because his parents were so ashamed that he did not grow up to become the all-wise, all-powerful oracle that they wanted him to. Um, yeah. And so basically, he's just a disappointment, and he doesn't even really get into how he came to Eternia either. Just that, you know, basically he's a screw-up his whole life. No one's ever cared for him, and the royal family's about the only family he had. Um, so what do you think about his new backstory? I think the I think I should throw that at you more than me, honestly, because I know you out of the two of us is definitely the, like you're more your filmation is definitely more your love than mine. Yeah. So for I mean, me, like I said, even 2000 X went with a a version of that. Like that is yes, basically Orko's yes. accepted backstory with the first one. What what I'll say before before uh, I let you get into yours and and for me it was. I was so into the story that I didn't even remember the initial origin for Orko until like after watching the show. And then I was like, Oh yeah, they did change that. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. So here, what's (laughs) your take on it being the the filmation guy out of the two of us? I mean, obviously I, I prefer the, original and the 2000x backstory i think i think it's more unique it's like the reverse superman like on my mm-hmm. home world i am a god basically mm-hmm. but then i come to this planet where i can't quite get anything going and like that that's an interesting story but he chooses to stay because he feels like this is where i need to be these are the people mm-hmm. i need to help you know, this is the battle I want to fight. I want to fight against Skeletor and his evil forces. I want to help save the universe. But I have to do it on this planet, even though that means I'm weaker than I need to be. Like, that's that's a story to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, kind of the same as you. Like, I, I prefer that backstory. But with what they're doing in Revelation, the backstory, the the... Perpetual screw-up backstory works really well. Mm -hmm. And I get why they did it. Even Mm -hmm. though it's not my preferred, it makes sense here. And I understand what they were going for. Um, I still think it's an odd choice. Um, And obviously, the Oracle thing is tying back to speculation that the Oracle that we saw in 2000X was actually an Orko sent back in time. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if they play into that at all uh, later on in this series. Um, Well, uh, another way to look at it, too, is we already have seen Orko being where he is in life from the last episode, and he was weak. He's basically on death's door. Right. Um, he also talked about, you know, writing down your adventures with with Andra on yep. the boat in the last episode. Exactly. So there is a part of me that when I think about this in particular, it almost makes me go, is it maybe his own way that he looked at things? And because he's so where he is right now, where he really feels depressed, he's really... Yeah down 
that maybe he's looking at his entire life and thinking I've always been this way, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe, maybe this is diluting how he felt about his childhood when his childhood wasn't as bad as he thinks it is or something. And maybe the fear part of being in subternia in this moment is poisoning that too. That was something else that I was thinking once I remembered, Oh yeah, his origins actually, he's a great sorcerer or co the great and all that. I'm not trying to, because to me, that's too much heavy lifting to go there. Well, that's it. I I think the fear might be building it up, like taking it over the edge. Yeah. But I don't think it's taking it from, I was Orko the Great, to I had trouble with basic spells in school. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's too, but yeah, maybe it is like, I could see it as his parents did still love him, still cared for him. Like, they... You know, and that's something that we put on ourselves a lot of times. Like, we Mm -hmm. feel like we're more of a disappointment to our parents than we actually are. So I can see that sort of thing. Like, maybe his parents are just like, you know, oh, oh, well, you know, it's all right, Orko. It's, you know, you'll you'll find some other path. But he really took it on too hard that he couldn't be the person his dad wanted him to be. And maybe Scareglow's fear is, like, bumping that up. Yeah, well, the other thing about it too, and I, I'll, I'll be done with it at this point, is um, the the part with him and Evil Lynn focuses yeah. on Orko. Right. It really goes after Orko. Evil Lynn, we don't know what her fear is, and my guess is she's past the point of where her fear is because she already lost Skeletor. She lost her home. She, you know, there she is working with the good guys. To fix what there, what 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 needs to be fixed, yeah. And so I feel like she's already dealing with her worst fears. Versus Orko, he's now getting into the game, and I feel like there is almost this feeling in this episode that they decided Scaraglow needs to really hammer in on Orko for the yeah. fact he, out of the two of them, has maybe the better chance of using magic because evil Lynn is relying on that, um, on her wand, on her yep. staff. And that thing, it's by the day, it's getting smaller and smaller with that little yep. bit of magic, the sorceress game. So it's almost like Scareglow can go, like, Well, I know she's not going to be a problem. Her power is already weakening by the second. But if he ends up being out of my, my trance and out of the hallucination or the fear yep. and all that, I have trouble now because he's magical, even though Lynn can use magic, you know? Right. So in that way, I almost feel like it's, it's almost like it's really pushing him to not be able to do anything and just sit there and be woe is me in a sense. And that's kind of how my, my head worked it out too. It's like, okay, you know, and like, eh, we'll see. I mean, honestly, uh, it, it doesn't bother me. They, they did what they did here because for me, being who I am about Orko, it honestly made me root for him even harder with yeah. that story. No, it's, and that's what the whole point is to me at this at this moment in particular. No, exactly, and that's that's the thing. That's what I was saying. It's I get why they did it. It works here, mm-hmm. even though it's not my preferred backstory. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Evil Lynn, she is quite the pep talker in this. She <laughs> she really. Yeah. She really pulls Orko through this. You know, she's she's helpful, she's kind, she's compassionate. And to me, this fits right in with Evil Lynn. Because Evil Lynn has always had that manipulative manipulative streak 
And basically, yeah. that's what it is. Like, she, she can read people. She understands what they want. She understands what they need to hear. And, and she plays these roles. She plays Magestra. She plays, she, like, she's had all these disguises over the years. Like, yeah. she is a manipulator. And so that actually, when she uses it for good here to get Oracle up, it works. It's that same mindset, you know, the con artist. Like, she knows what he needs to hear and she delivers it to him, you know. Mm-hmm. But the the other thing, you know, but she keys right in on that Oracle thing, too. You know, she when he says, you know, I couldn't pronounce my name immediately, she's like, You're you were named Oracle, weren't you? Mm-hmm. And again, I just I feel like there's something there. Like that wasn't just a throw in especially the way Lena Lena Hetty Hetty Heavy. I always say it wrong. I've been saying Heedy, but I I, I've heard people say Hetty as well. But Helena Heedy delivers it, I'm like there's a little something there. I don't know. Maybe it's just my mind wanting there to be something, a connection. But I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I, I think there's something with the, the Oracle thing that might well, come up. The, the, the Oracle reveal, actually, I love that. That yeah. was one of my favorite moments between the two of them because, like you said, it kind of it gave you that little, like, Here's a strand to 2000X because yeah. of that, you know, King Grayskull, the power of Grayskull story and everything. And I mean, honestly, I've heard people talking about, you know, like evil Lynn and they're starting to crush on her now. I'm like, this is the episode where it starts happening because yeah. suddenly you're not seeing her as someone that you're quite as, you know, looking over your shoulder and, and is suspect anymore. You're looking yeah. at her as someone who she is capable of compassion. She is capable of of looking at you and being like, I believe in you in this moment. And you're like, but you're not supposed to be evil, but oh God, you're kind of hot now. Like, yeah. like you're the bad girl and you're turning kind of good. It's kind of like, ugh. And, and I, I like it. I love it no matter what. Because it's it's just it's nice to see different yeah. sides of these characters. And and they only let her have a couple of that in uh, on the the filmation, the one with yeah. her and Tila, the and and, and even in um it, yes, the witch and the warrior, and then when they when they did the um, the episode in two thousand X that was showing her meeting Keldor yeah. for the first time, and I love yeah that episode. I actually love because I was for the first time ever. I was watching an episode going. I'm watching a romance, and it's not between the hero and his best yeah. girl. I'm watching a romance between the ultimate evil villain. And the girl who finds that to be hot. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, like there's not a lot of stories that tell those stories. And then on top of that, to see how she is with him, with Orko here, it's like, man, is she a multifaceted character like that? It's awesome to see it. And that's it. But at the same time, there's still that like, can we trust her? Like that never really (laughs) leaves because I love that. We we know her past. (laughs) We know how many, and you're always sitting there as a viewer going, you know, and and again, another thing I don't have, this is how well this show is written, I don't have an answer for it, you know, it, but I'm sitting there going, okay, is she legit, or is she is she really turning a new leaf, is she really being compassionate, or is she just like, hey, I need this trolling to get me out of here, so I mm-hmm. need to fluff him up, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's never, you never know, it's just, yeah. 
but that it's it's well written. The interactions between them are fabulous. Mm-hmm. So as they're talking, all of a sudden, all these creepy little shadow trollins appear, like in the in the corners and everything, and they all converge on the spell spring and merge into a giant sh- shadow beast who attacks yeah. Orko and Evelyn. Um, they run off as it cuts back to Tila, who it is time for her to face her greatest fear. Um, I love that she just, it's it just this darkened room, you can only see Tila, and then slowly and creepily, the He-Man theme music, that transformation music starts playing. But it's it's very slow. It's very, it, 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 I'm not a musician, so I can't explain. It, but it's got to be off key or something. Like they're they're just a it's a twisted version mm-hmm. of that He Man transformation as a red eyed He Man appears out of the darkness and stands in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Uh, you know, uh, forgive me if I get this a little out of order, guys, but this there's a lot of cuts at this point. We're jumping back and forth. Um, back to Roboto and company. Now there's, not only are there the Shadow Beasts, but there's uh, zombies. They're fighting. There's fire bats. They're just like, anything and every creepy creature that you can think of in your imagination is being just unloaded on Android, Roboto, and Beastman. And they're doing yep. their best to to fight back but even they notice like hey the the more fear we have the stronger these creatures seem to be like andra's losing her losing her cool she is just like i can't handle this she's fighting with zombies and shadow beasts and fire bats and you know you can see the sweat dripping down her face and but they realize again they're smart they just don't know what to do about it because this is scary stuff here like Mm -hmm. i am afraid and they are feeding off that. They're getting stronger the more we beat them down. Yeah. And I was this the part? Uh, I want to say this was the part where uh, Roboto is starting to open fire on the zombies, and and like they're they're surrounding him. Yeah. And he's knocking them, and then he's like shooting them. Excuse me. I'm sorry. You're going to want to seek medical attention. I just yeah. got such a kick out of that. It reminded me of of. Uh, it reminded me of the 2000 X version in a way, because that would have been stuff you would have heard out of him easily. Right. And again, you know, it's solidifying. I, as much as I wasn't a huge fan of him as a kid, I really dig Roboto now that I'm older and I'm seeing that, that like yeah. the dry personality, but there is a sense of humor if you want to see it and it's there. So, and he um, makes, he makes some nice yeah. comments because, you know, they're talking about how they're feeding off fear and Robot's like, well, I'm not scared. I'm just a robot. I can't, yeah. I can't feel fear. It's just, these are my targets. I shoot them like that's mm-hmm. It's all objectives. It's ones mm-hmm. and zeros to him. Yep. Um, and yeah, so he's he's kind of he's kind of the guy that you know, and he 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 brings it up a few times about how you know he can't feel fear. Take that, you know where to put it right in that mm-hmm. back pocket. <laughs> um, so at this point, let's jump back to uh, He Man and Tila. Oh no, wait, sorry, we got Orko and Evil in first. 
Uh, yeah, Evelyn's having a hard time with that magic. It's getting low. She's having a hard time focusing it. Um, and basically, they're up against a wall here as this, this shadow mm -hmm. beast is just ready to tear them up. Now we cut back to Tila versus He-Man. Um, mm -hmm. And I, uh, it's pretty clear that this is Scareglow. He's just taking the shape. He's in her head. He's taking the shapes of, of what he needs to to evoke the feel. He's he's trying some stuff out. and He lands mm -hmm. on He-Man pretty quick that that's bringing some fear. And, you know... Uh, he, he brings up a lot of things. He brings up uh, her, her self-doubt, her feelings of inadequacy, her abandonment because she doesn't know her real parents. Um, he states that, you know, you know, how does it feel to know that He-Man never trusted you like he trusted everybody else? Um, and and, and Scarecrow is just kind of throwing things at the wall, it seems. He's just like, he's picking mm -hmm. up these bits and pieces like, what about this? Oh, I see you're an orphan. How about abandonment? Like he's, you know what I mean. He's just, he's he's yeah. just throwing darts at the wall and he's seeing it, he's seeing what hits the hardest, and then he's kind of going down there, kind of almost almost like the scarecrow, honestly. You know, uh, Doctor Crane, like he's very methodical about it. Like he's mm -hmm. done this a lot before. He knows what he needs to do to get this fear out of her, and so he's very precise about it. It it, it also has that feeling of like. Um fortune tellers to me right like they always say if you if you give a little bit of like a oh to something they say then they know what to zoom in on and right. that's the thing to make them look like they're right when they're telling you their predictions right. or whatever so it has that vibe about it and it makes them seem like a shyster then and i like that about this this moment because he's he's doing whatever he can to survive because like he said he hasn't had a real taste of fear in a long right. time and so it's like anything he can do to get yes. through to her, he's going to use it, it no matter what here. And um, this this moment in particular, if there was ever a moment in this entire show where you could see Kevin Smith's hands were on something, this for me was it. Because this is the cave sequence from Empire Strikes Back, no matter what. It, it is, you know, like Yoda telling Luke, you know, you don't have to bring oh, your yeah. weapons. And, and he goes in there and there's Vader. And it's just like that whole sequence right here. It's it's on a bigger scale. But here it is. The hero has to go up against the worst fears. And here you go. But it's, so, it's, and it's kind what of, better character than Scarecrow for that, too? So it's kind go. of interesting in this situation because as he goes on, he's actually kind of starts to have the reverse effect. Like, this is, and we've talked about this before, Tila has bottled everything up. She left the royal palace, and she left all this behind, so she says. But she hasn't. She's carrying it. She's just not, mm -hmm. she's not discussing it. Andrew knows none of it. You know, she's not talking about it. She's not exploring it. But with Scareglow bringing it to the front here, and they're battling at the same time. That's the awesome thing. Like, He-Man's got the sword. He's attacking her she's fight like they're fighting they're talking but tila starts to kind of work through some stuff you know you know mm -hmm. scarecrow throws out you know he-man didn't trust you and she's immediately because she's not thinking she's not dwelling on it so she's just going knee-jerk she's like he trusted me he trusted me in every battle i was by his side he trusted me with his life mm -hmm. and it's like yeah he did tila like some of this is starting to get through to her like 
you know what, maybe, maybe I've been, I haven't, you know, explored this like I need to, you know. That's, that's the fun part about this in, in particular, because it's like, you know, the, it, when when you have basically the bastardization of one of your best friends standing there in front of you right. and calling you on your SHIT, basically, you know, there is a part where it's like suddenly you're seeing it from from uh, you're seeing it with new eyes. Right. And suddenly you're like, this person was this and you right. will never know how. To, and I, that's I love how that part plays out here. So I love that he's yep. thinking he's going to get everything he wants. And it's like everything you're doing is pissing her off. Oh, yep. You're not, you know, you're do, and it's not in the fear way. It's that she's going to kick your butt way. <laughs> That's it. And yeah, she's starting to gain a little bit more. He's getting strong because there is some fear, mm-hmm. but she, she's, she's fighting back. She's working through some stuff that she needed to work through. Um, you should be a psychiatrist. And then that's what I was saying. It's like, it's like that doctor, it's like that psychiatrist, mm-hmm. the psychologist thing. But it, so it ends up backfiring on him because she actually gets the, you know, because again, it all stems from the fact that she never got the chance to be mad at him. You know, yeah. take that, stick it in your back hoodie mm-hmm. at this point, because we got so much <laughs> stuff in our back pocket. So that's, that's the root of it all. She never got the chance to be mad at Adam. Because how can you be mad at someone who just gave up his life for the universe? You know? Like, you mm-hmm. can't, like, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's your, your soldier spouse goes off and fights in a war and doesn't make it. Like, how can I be mad? He gave up his life for our country. Like, how can I be mad at him? But I am. Mm-hmm. Because he left me. He left me. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that. It's coming. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. Some good stuff coming. Um... But finally, he pinpoints that he thinks he's got it. He senses something in her and realizes that the thing she's most afraid of, or what he feels, is her own fate. It's the same thing. It's that fortune teller thing. He's, he realizes there's something off about her. And he realizes that it's troubled her for years. You know? Um, and and uh, the, he transforms into the, the classic-looking Tila, and they keep fighting. But all that does is just push Tila over the edge. She's not angry anymore. Or she, she's not afraid anymore. She's just angry. And she turns it all back on him. You know, mm-hmm. she, go, she goes, yes, there is something different about me. And no, I don't know what it is. And, it, you know... But she she drops these little things, like the things I can do and this and that. These little hints, like, hey, maybe she realizes more. Well, she doesn't realize more than we think, but but subconsciously she knows there's something inherently different about her. Um, going all the way back to episode one, where I said, you know, I felt when the sorcerer sent that telepathic call to Adam, I felt she reacted in more of a way than just like, hey, Adam is looking like an idiot during my big ceremony, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think she realized those little things. Like, yeah, sometimes I think I hear voices, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I was yeah. getting from. Again, it's very vague. We don't go into specifics, but it's enough to kind of kick Tila into this protective super Saiyan mode. You know, she's, she's ringed in this, rainbow luminescence kind of 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me like, you know, episode one when the sorceress was using magic spells and barriers. Let's just say it reminds me of that. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, Tila's like, I'm not afraid of my destiny because only I can make my destiny. I am not locked into a fate. You know, like you, like everybody seems to think I am. I do what I want, and she fights back. She gets, she goes full blast on Scareglow, and he is just knocked on his ass. And mm-hmm. um, and and at the same time, we cut back to the others. And this is helping the others break free. Once she starts fighting really against him in this way and taking control of her own fear. It's weakening Scareglow, and it's making it easier for the others to break out. Andra and uh, Roboto, they hook up the, this, this bright flash of light that knocks them back. Um, uh, Orko's uh, able to stand up to the Shadow Beast, and, and they break their illusion. And Tila ends up breaking, you know... The, the illusion that they're alone and there is basically they're all back in that first cavern. They haven't moved from the spots they entered Subternia in. And Scareglow's on the ground just cowering. And he's like, what are you? Uh-huh. I'm your worst nightmare. And it's like, oh man, that moment. I I was just like, I, 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 I was out of my seat like, yeah! Get him! <laughs> like, to see, I mean, let, let's be honest here. Lay it all on the table. There's no secrets between us. To see her embrace that, those powers of the sorceress was awesome. And for her to drop those hints, like, yeah, I've kind of, again, I, I don't think she's come to realization that it's a sorceress, but obviously she's, she's realized throughout the years that she, there is some different matter. There is some magic in her. Like, mm-hmm. she can do things other people can't, even though she doesn't know how to control her powers or where they come from, it's still her destiny. And to see her kind of yeah. come full circle and be like, no, this is me. Like, that yeah. was awesome. And culminating that moment with that score and the effects, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it, it, when, when we saw that uh, thumbnail... And uh, that Netflix had, yeah. and it, it had her with the lines and, and all that stuff. There was like when I saw that, I'm like, well, "That's how you're going to do it, okay?" You know. But when yeah. you see it actually happen in the moment, it, uh, obviously, in anything, it's about context. It means more when you get right. to that point. And I mean, how cool is it that we finally get to this moment because we've never gotten her there ever. Right. It's always just the oh well that well she's the yeah. sorceress's daughter. That's it. You never yeah. really got to play any further. Now the sandbox, the lid is off the sandbox, and we get to start going. Ooh, let's let's start let's start uh, having a little fun in here with sorcerer's powers now. Right. Stuff. So yeah, no, I was digging it. And oh, and she she ends up just pulling pulling the the half of the power sword uh, right out of thin air. You know, like she's just like, nope, I'm taking this. Thank you, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she still doesn't trust Evelyn because Evelyn comes right up. She's like, "Let me have the sword," and she's like, "Well, eh, no, I, I don't know. You still got evil in your name, so yeah, maybe I'll hang on to it." Evelyn's like, "Hey, do you know how to open a portal?" No. Yeah. <laughs> All right then, give me the sword. There's only one mm-hmm. way out of here. 
And basically, they hearken back to old vintage minicomic thing, like half of the power sword will lead you to the other half. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uses she uses uh, a, a little bit of that magic to create a portal. And she called upon Zor as a deity. Like, she, she invokes Zor to open this portal. So that was a nice little touch, too, kind of tying in, uh, uh, I guess you call it the Eternity War canon. Uh, where Zor was kind of like uh, one of the elder gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, uh, again, you know, I I like the it, it's it's the whole hinging upon trust with this moment, which and it plays out even further than this moment too for the end of this episode because, um, like the the whole thing of okay, Evelyn, what's the deal with her and all that yeah. stuff? Like we were saying earlier. It's like, here's a moment where Teal is like, okay, fine, I'll trust you in this moment. You had Orko gaining a huge amount of trust for it. even they right. we we uh skipped over that moment, but the whole, you know, no, I was called evil Lynn. I added the evil later and all yeah. that stuff when 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 they're having their talk yeah, about yeah, that was a good line. and all that stuff. And and so, you know, it, it's kind of cool that, you know, we had all that time with the two of them. And through Orko's eyes in that moment, you're seeing a whole different side of her and you're seeing him putting faith in her and her doing the whole, you can do this. And then to come out and it's like, yeah, Tila and her haven't had that. So, you know, but yeah, this whole bit now coming up is, is I think out of all the episodes, this is probably my absolute favorite moment of the series to date. So I will stop now so you can get into that part. Yeah, so so basically <sighs> she, she's opened up the portal to Paternia. We get this great view. You've seen in all the promo images where it's a shot of the central tower and mm-hmm. the, the tram and luscious golden fields everywhere. Um, unfortunately, she's doing this. Scareglow kind of rallies and creates a spell that, that anchors... Everybody except Orko to the floor. That's it. It's Orko's big chance. Mm-hmm. And he steps up. He takes him on. They're casting spells. Scareglow's sending all these flaming skulls at him. Orko's bouncing them off. He's creating these rings to bind Scareglow. It's it's Scareglow versus Orko. Um, Orko just bind them time. Tila breaks free. She goes to help Orko, and Orko tells no. Tila, go. I've got this. You guys get out of here. And, and he said he says he's not afraid anymore. Um. And and so as as Tila's freeing everybody else, everyone's getting loose. Orko goes right up to Scareglow. He's got these binding rings that you know he, he traps around his chest and his arm, and he's casting ones. Bell to banish him. He says, demon be gone. Go back to your shadow. And boom. Orko and Scareglow disappear. The, the rest of the group is knocked through the portal. And as they look back, they just see the entire cavern collapsing. And as the portal closes, uh, one frayed part of Orko's scarf floats through. Mm-hmm. And so that that well, right off the bat, that's two more to the body count. I'm assuming we're assuming that they have perished. <laughs> well, 
as they say in sci-fi, unless you saw a body, just throwing that out there for the people who are out there uh, in the various groups, RIP Orco and everything. Like, I don't know about this one. I don't know either, but for the moment, let's add it. Blasted to oblivion. So we're going to add yeah. it. So we are at, we're at seven now in four okay. episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that kind of breaks Tila. You know, she was just starting to recover. She was realizing who her friends are, who her family was. She started calling Duncan father again. Um, mm-hmm. She's even getting less perturbed by Roboto. It was great to have Orko back. And losing him there, she turns on evil and she's like, she straight up says, it should have been you. If someone has to die, it should have been Evelyn. Like, to her face. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Evelyn's, Evelyn's like, I tried. I tried to help. Like, she's still having problems with that one. You know, it's not working properly. That little ember magic is not giving her what she needs. Um, and again, it's hard to tell with Evelyn. It's like, is she... She seems sincere in her, like, I tried to save him. I tried to help out. But, same time, it's evil land. So I just, I never know who to trust. Um, but as they're, they're about to go at it. Weapons are drawn. Looks like the alliance is over. It's going to be Evelyn and Beastman versus Andrew Roboto and Tila. And then Adam appears. Mm-hmm. And they all turn and look. And Adam exclaims, By the power of Grayskull? Mm hmm. <laughs> Credits. Yep. Bum, bum, yep. bum, bum. And, and that last moment made me think of Hot Fuzz, no matter what. It, because it, I, I absolutely loved in Hot Fuzz, anytime Nick Frost yeah. was amazed by something, he'd always say, By the power of gray skull you know and, yeah. and even nick nick uh or uh, i'm sorry simon Pegg. even then he eventually says it as well when which, the dvds it, are collection yeah exactly yeah. and, and and that was one of those moments when i watched it the first time i actually cheered in the movie theater because i'm like my god the referencing he man how cool yeah. is that and uh it was funny to hear adam say it in that way for the first yeah. time so um god not the this this was a, a, a this was a heavy episode in yeah. ways I wasn't expecting it to be because the the other thing too um, in that final the the uh, final moments of that episode with with the Orco Scareglow bit mm-hmm. that got me that got me a lot and and like you were saying do we trust Evelyn or do we not trust Evelyn right there is a moment in that fight that I loved. And it was because he and her had had that bonding time on, on Trala. And he, he's, he's making the circles and, and and the spells are floating around him and he's finally, he's not messing up. Oh yeah. And it's like, this is his moment. He turns around. He's like, look, Evelyn, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And it's like, Oh my God. You know, like I get chills even thinking of that because he's looking at the villain yeah. who had faith in him and he's proud of himself. And she's like, he can't do this alone. She raises her yeah. wand and the wand won't work. It's not her. Like she literally is willing to help him in that moment. Right. And the wand just won't do it. And right. 
And so it's like, you know, that whole sequence, it's like she really did try. And then when when Tila does that, it should have been you. It's like, but we've seen she tried to help in that moment. It wasn't like she was making him fend for himself, but that's how it ended up being. Right. And um, I mean, that that whole sequence, uh, like seriously, for for somebody that was never a huge Orko guy, that thing just like over the top. Like, I love that little guy. At least in Revelation. I don't know if I'm still going to love him in the other iterations. But the way they did him in here, especially with some of the stuff I've been through in my life in in the last 20 years, I I identified so hard with him that it really, really made me go, dude, I've been there. I can give you a hug. I get it, you know? Right. And and the the only thing I wish they would have added, and this is just me personally – and uh, you're going to laugh when I say it because I know you know where I'm going with this is I really wanted to hear him right before he uh, like uh, right after he did the thing, probably where he's saying, look, Lynn, I'm doing it and all that stuff yeah. and having Scareglow because there's that moment where Scareglow is walking against the wind to get at yeah. him. Because he's he's targeting Orko. He's not targeting anybody. It's the whole right. you're messing this up for me. Right? Because he's got everybody loved. else. Yeah, exactly. He's got them where he wants them, but Orko's the one he can't peg down. And I just love that it would be like him using the fear and him coming at him. I wanted to hear Orko yell, "Not afraid!" Like like a Stanley. Well, he, I wanted it wasn't so quite like that, bad. but he but he did say, "I'm not I'm not afraid." But I'm yes, that afraid, was definitely. I wanted. I just wanted to hear that because when he deflects that bolt from Shakoti in that in House of Shakoti Part Two, that right. moment to this day, I will be like, "Yeah," because it's like it, it's such a big moment for that character. It's such a big moment as a kid watching that happen and to see this with Orca. It would have been an awesome callback, but again. He did do a similar thing. I'm not going to give him too much crap, but I mean, you yeah, know, no, I, I I definitely got some vibes from of of House of Shakoti with Orko at the yes. end. Like he's like, yes. oh, I'm good. I'm not afraid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was so good, and even uh, you know, the Well of Darkness. I reminded me of that you know that's the callback to uh, to Mike Young. That was. Uh, where uh, Tuvar and Badra tried to ha- separate themselves, yeah. but end up separating Eternia. So, mm-hmm. and again, another callback, you know, mm-hmm. you know, used in a slightly different way, but I- I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. You know, it shows that, that you guys, you know, at least at least did some research and we're like, okay, well, we need we need this place. What can we use? You know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, this whole episode... And the thing is, the way we talk about it, it's, like, it's the emotional stuff that got me, but it's not a slow episode. It is mm-hmm. action-packed. Like, all of this exposition and dialogue and character moments are coming while they're fighting these monsters and creatures and Scareglow and shadows and, you know, like, I mean, this this episode just goes boom, boom, boom. It's actually one of the longer episodes they're getting, because there's a, a few-minute variance between episodes and these last two are definitely the longer end of the spectrum. It's like 26 and 28 minutes. So there's a lot happening, but unlike the poison chalice where there's a lot happening and you feel like, okay, this is dragging. This one's like, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, what did I just see? Like these Mm -hmm. last two episodes are the ones 
I like every time I watch through, I see a little bit more or catch a couple more things, especially in these last two, because there's just so much happening so fast. Um, but yeah, this one was amazing. The Orko and, and Lynn moments. And even that, like so earlier, I, I think I skipped over, but earlier when they're, he's like, Orko's like, can I call you Lynn? And she's like, no. Mm-hmm. And then later, like you said, when he's like, I'm doing it, Lynn. And she's just like, yeah, you are. But yeah, call me Lynn. You earned it. Like, we've, mm-hmm. we've come through the other side. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I want to believe it's sincere, but it's we'll still see. evil we'll see. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, the, I will say out of – for me, like, the first episode – the first episode is almost its own entity compared to the four yeah. that follow it. And this one in particular was one where I almost like this storyline. It was, it was packed for this episode. I don't know if I'd want more of everything that happened in this episode necessarily. Yeah. Like it was timed nice no, for me to I, enjoy I, it. The you pacing know? was great. But the pacing was great. But my, the thing is, there is that part of me that goes, but this is the only time we've ever seen Scareglow in animated form. So there is a part yeah. of me going, I hope that's not the last time we see him because he he really was impressive. And like I said, the animation, yeah. you could tell they put some love into that one in particular. Um, but yeah, this one, this one blew me away by my emotional reaction the first day I watched it because I... Like my daughter turned around yeah. after Orko and him disappeared. She turned around and then she looked back at the screen. And then later on that day, she goes, "You know, I saw you crying, right?" And I go, "How could I not there?" Like, yeah. and she she goes, she goes, "It's okay, Daddy. I actually was a little misty eyed yeah, too." I'm like, she she was like, "It was Orko." You know, she she had that like, if it wasn't Orko, if it would have been anybody else, it wouldn't have affected her. But she's like, "Yeah, it yeah. was Orko. It made me it made me a little misty eyed too." I'm like, "Yeah." There you go. And that, so, yeah. that was it. It was. And th- this episode, I worried because the first time through, I watched it with my kids. And I, w- I was kind of getting a little nervous the first time through as some of the stuff started happening. Like, man, is this getting too heavy? But luckily, there are there were some lighthearted moments in there. There's a couple of quit Roboto and his medical tent. You know, there was a yeah, little. Yeah. They, took that, they took that old school approach where they're like, hey, we need a couple things in here to kind of cut the tension. A little bit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It was very well mm-hmm. done. Orca was the star of the show, and, and honestly, I'm just gonna leave it at this. So we're we're, we're saying Orco and Scareglow are dead, but the last spell that was made before we disappeared, I'm gonna leave it here. Demon, be gone. Go back to your shadow. Okay, so mm-hmm. you guys think upon that. And what those words may mean. And maybe if they're not dead, maybe you can think of some places they might have ended up. So, all right, guys, we're going to take off here. <laughs> uh, our official death count right now is in that seven. We're going to be back, hopefully, in the next couple of days to wrap this up with episode five The Forest at the Forge of Forever. All right, guys, take care, and until next time, go watch Netflix. Ba-boom. <laughs> oh, come on.
Oh!